Howdy, Hootie Thunkers. This is the host of the Hootie Thunkin' Podcast, Zeb, as always. Episode 87, titled, um, you know, where does our poop go? What happens to our poop? So, I just want to do a recommendation segment to set things off. Shannon was going to do this week, but you know how that goes, schedules. So, I'll do it. Um, this week, I recommend that you go out into the woods. Um, don't worry, I'm going to actually recommend some media here today. But I just went on a hunting trip, which I haven't gone out hunting in 10 years. Didn't didn't get anything, that's fine, but it, you enjoy the nature of it, even when it is cold. But now, uh, when I hunt, I like to take out comic books with me, so that my recommendation is to go out in the woods and read a book, or a comic book. The comic book I was reading was called DC's Dark Knight's Metal, and it's all about Batman and, and Batman's worst nightmares coming to fruition and attacking the Justice League. It's an awesome comic book, so check that out. But I recommend... Ultimately, you go out into the woods and you you read a book or you read a comic book or a magazine or something, settle your mind, leave your phone at home, and just make sure you don't get lost, and just sort of connect with nature, connect with no screens and the silence of nature, try to get out as far away as you can, like I said, without getting lost. That's my recommendation to you because I did that and I feel so much more calm and, and great now, and my... Um, it was a great way to spend my birthday. Yes, yesterday was my birthday um, on the 23rd. So thanks for listening, Hootie Thunkers. Now, for the main event, check it out. Okay, now, hope you like that recommendation segment. Now for the main event, uh, what happens to our poop? Modern plumbing is nothing short of a miracle. We take it for granted, and I do mean we, as I myself rarely think about how the unbelievably inconvenient process that is indoor plumbing makes my life so much easier. We wake up, turn on the faucet to brush our teeth, use the toilet and flush, and then we use the kitchen sink for food prep and sanitation purposes throughout the day. Now, I know this isn't the norm all around the world. In fact, according to the CDC, globally more than 785 million people um, did not have access to at least basic water services in recent years, and more than 884 million people did not have safe water to drink. But I personally don't have any experience with life without convenient water, so I can't much say can't much say much else about it. Um, so we're going to be, you know, just talking about modern plumbing. For the majority of us, water and plumbing is provided to us at a very cheap cost, yet the system is so complex it will boggle the mind. For this episode, we are going to be tackling a question I've had since I was potty trained at the age of two, what happens to our poop? It should be noted that a lot of organizations and agencies tasked with processing our shit tend to come up with all sorts of different names for it to make their job sound less, well, Shitty. Uh, the, see if you can count how many different terms are used for shit during this episode. You know, I'm not going to give you a prize or anything at the end for getting the right number. I just think it's funny how people naturally come up with so many different names for shit. So, people of the world produce roughly 1,043,000 tons. That's uh, 2,299,421,390 pounds of crap each day. For the record, that's approximately 114 Eiffel Towers made of excrement. To explain modern sewage treatment, we will be looking at one of the world's most famous cities, London. London's sewage gets flushed down the toilet, travels through ever-enlarging pipes through a system designed back in the 1800s by a dude named, dude named Sir Joseph uh, Bazalgette. <laughs> what a British name that is. Sir Joseph William Bazalgette um, was 
born in 1819 and died in 1891. He was a 19th century English civil engineer as chief engineer of London's Metropolitan Board of Works. His major achievement was the creation, in response to the great stink of 1858, of a sewer, uh, sewage system for central London, which was instrumental in relieving the city from cholera epidemics while uh, beginning to clean the River Thames. So this guy, Joseph Bazalgette, his whole claim to fame was making shit work better, um, literal shit work better, but it was huge at the time because London was supposed to be this awesome power, yet they had a big poop problem. It was embarrassing. He fixed it. It was awesome. To this day, they still use his system. So the sewage then uh, enters the sewage treatment works in East London. It is the largest sewage treatment plant in Europe. Back in the 1800s, the Brits simply stored all the sewage in tanks and then pumped it into the river during high tide to make it the ocean's problem. But that is against the law in many countries. Fun fact, the U.S. banned solid sewage dumping only as far back as 1992. Yeah, not that long ago. Up until then, places like New York would take their solid waste, their shit, about 12 miles out to sea and just dump it. And it would usually just wash right back up to shore. <laughs> now they treat sewage for a four-hour process for, you know, some places it's like two hours until it is safe enough to return to the watershed system. The sewage treatment works of East London takes on the crap of over three and a half million people. Um, it is tasked with processing over 35 Olympic swimming pools of sewage every hour. First, the raw sewage is sent through a large sifter that takes out all the big chunks like paper, bricks, you know, stuff from the street, twigs, any other unsavory debris. Uh, this debris is washed and sent to the landfill. While looking into this topic, I learned about New York City's sewage system, which is relatively similar to London's, um, you know, other than obvious differences, it's a different size and stuff. Vice's reporter interviewed some of the sewage treatment guys who said their rake catches things like cocaine bags, counterfeit money, and hospital biohazard bags regularly. Bit of a trigger warning here. Um, the New York, but the New York sewage rake has also caught things like live dogs have come up in the rake and aborted fetuses a few times in the past. So quite macabre there. But secondly, the sewage is then after that rake is sent to a big tanks where it sits while a large metal contraption the size of a bus essentially works as a rake. It skims the top for any floating material while simultaneously dredging the bottom of the heavier material. It is basically a big ass poop comb. So by now, you should know that organic material basically means shit, okay? All these different words. The skimmed and dredged organic material is sent to a filter press where it is dehydrated and incinerated. Incinerated is a complete, it means complete combustion, which is the rapid exothermic oxidation of combustible elements in sludge. The uh, dewatered sludge will ignite at temperatures of 420 to 500 degrees Celsius. That's 788 or 932 degrees Fahrenheit in the presence of oxygen. The London Sewage Treatment Works uses the filtered and incinerated poop, which they call sludge, to power their plant. It provides over 75% of the power needed to keep the works running. Not all sewage systems of today incinerate their sludge. Some of them use centrifuge technology to separate water molecules from the sludge they call the centrifuge sludge cake <laughs> so we got sludge cake uh biosolids organic material 
We've already got so many names and so many more to come. In most modern sewage systems, this sludge is examined by scientists with PhDs. Um, agent, agencies like the U.S.'s Environmental Protection Agency make sure that there aren't potentially harmful toxins in our sludge that might cause a pandemic. So, yes, they have people in lab coats examining your shit that goes through the sewage system. So keep that in mind. Next time you flush random stuff down the toilet, people are going to be looking at it with a fine tube comb and micro microscopes. Like people look at your shit, man. It doesn't just disappear. Nations around the world monitor their own organic materials such much closer than the average Joe realizes. The people in these labs tend to refer to it as biosolids. Thirdly, the sewage that is left is taken to another tank where tons of bacteria is added to literally eat away at the organic material left. At the same time, oxygen is pumped into the tank at the bottom to make sure every part of the sewage is dissolved uh, by the added bacteria. That oxygen actually accelerates the biological breakdown. So your poop gets flushed. It comes to a treatment plant. They take out all the big stuff with a rake, you know, toilet paper, stuff like that, grease that people wash down their drains. Then it gets uh, poop combed. They pick up all the heavy stuff off the, floating off, off the top and sinking down to the bottom. They separate that. Then the water goes to a bacteria treatment place where they put chemicals and bacteria into it and oxygenate it. And then by then, um, at last, what leftover sewage is tested to make sure it is safe to return to the Thames River. So that's what happens to the water part of your sewage goes right back into the river after it's been treated and it's safe to go. That's why they say don't drink the, don't drink river water uh, because, yeah, someone tested it, but what if that guy was off that day and nobody decided to test it? Then you're drinking poop water. Now, I'd like to give a little tip of the hat to the world's sanitation workers. You know, even during a crisis like 9-11 or COVID-19, our sanitation need, needs do not stop, and these people don't, don't do the most desirable jobs. I mean, they literally have shitty jobs. So... Now I've talked about poop, how poop is processed, and what happens to the water. I did say where the filtered sewage goes. The filtered and clean sewage goes back into the world's rivers and oceans. But what about the solids? Okay, so we cover the water. What about the solids? Basically the shit. London uses it to power their sanitation plants, so they claim. But what about the rest of the world? When Vice tried to follow sewage waste in New York from flush to question mark, where does it go? They were met with a lot of secrecy and paranoia. It seemed very few people wanted to answer their simple question, where does the poop end up? And they finally got a paranoid trucker who was transporting processed biosolids to tell them about a company called We Care Organics. This company is paid by the city of New York to take the city's biosolids off their hands. Then We Care Organics, the company, takes the biosolids and sells it as fertilizer for farms. Let that sink in. Large landscaping projects as well, and even personal gardens. Yep, that's right. Our shit fertilizes our crops and city flower gardens. You know, and it works out for the We Care Organics um, company like them, uh, or, you know, companies like them, of which there are lots because they get paid on both ends. They get paid by the municipalities to take shit off their hands and they get paid by people looking to fertilize and grow plants. You know, I actually knew this. I knew our food was grown with human waste. Well, at least some of it is. Some is still fertilized with animal waste. But when I was a kid in junior high, I took a, 
a bunch of agricultural classes I had to I grew up in a farming community, like 25% of the curriculum was how to be a farmer. I vaguely remember going to our large, going to a large farm on a class trip and the farmer explaining that he used human waste to fertilize his crops. He even showed our class a giant pile of super filtered and incinerated human shit that he used. Um, our teacher told us not to touch the pile, not because he himself was weirded out by it. No, um, likely he likely he used the um, same kind of fertilizers there on his farm. You know, a lot of our teachers were also farmers, at least part time. No, he told us not to touch it out of fear that one of our parents might, you know, sue him or something like that for touching human waste. But by the time I his warning, by the time he was warning us, um, I had already had a handful of it falling through my fingers. I remember the stuff was brown, cold, almost like wet dust, but not like mud. It smelled so much better than the stuff other farmers use, like cow and pig shit fertilizer. It just smelled like dirt, you know. Um, I think that is because processing plants in these fertilizing companies are slapped with so many more regulations for their fertilizer than the fertilizer companies that use animal waste. These companies take human shit, turn it into a treasure that grows our food. They have some of the best PR people on the planet. I'm not kidding. Think about it. <laughs> they sell human shit to farmers. Our PR, or one PR staff member at WeCare Organics explained that they sell the highest and most sanitized grade of human waste, grade A. High, his clients swear by the quality of the fertilizer. Apparently, is less acidic um, than other fertilizers. Fun fact, uh, sewage products... Uh, fun fact about sewage products, an estimated 10 million Chinese farmers use raw sewage to fertilize their crops and have been doing so for thousands of years. Lots of vineyards have used biosolids to grow their grapes. A ski resort in Arizona uses poop water to make snow. You know, a lot of places use it. Now there are critics, there are criticisms about this. Some scientists pointed out there are chemicals like arsenic and mercury in the fertilizer and that bacteria from pneumonia and, and cephalitis also lurk in our shirt shit fertilizer. But no studies have shown these harmful chemicals and bacteria make it into the food that it grows, but there have been limited number of studies on the matter. The scientific community at large hasn't drawn a conclusion on the matter. They haven't put punctuation at the end of is human shit safe to make our food. Places like Whole Foods have gone public with the fact that they do not sell any products grown from biosolids. Also, the state of Virginia, one of the U.S.'s biggest tobacco producers, um, has, was warned, they've warned their tobacco people against using biosolids to grow tobacco, you know, because they're so worried about our health with tobacco. <laughs> and so what happens to our poop? Where does it go? The answer is it's everywhere. It is everywhere. Is it in the food we eat, the flowers we smell, and even the snow we play in? Where did you think it went? Okay, we, we live on just one big rock after all. We aren't shooting it out into space. It is just like, it's just like water. You know, it's a closed system. Chances are you have drank a glass of water that was once pissed out of Alexander the Great at some point. You know, it's what happens to our shit. We've been living in it. <laughs> all, you, you think of dirt and mud as something different. It's animal shit. It's human shit. Dirt and mud is us. It is shit. Shit is everywhere. So don't take life too seriously. You know, it's all shit anyway. Now, I was going to end the episode there. I thought it was good. <laughs> don't take life too seriously. It's all shit anyway. I was going to end it with that. But I had to bring up this little side story I found about another city's sewage system while I was researching 
I thought this was an even cooler ending. Wow. I won't be going over every major city sewage treatment process. I do feel I need to mention Hong Kong's cities like London and New York use treated wastewater for sewage or uh, desalinated seawater. But Hong Kong is the only large city in the world that has built a whole sewage system around the use of minimally treated water drawn from the sea that surrounds it. It is a remarkable achievement that began back in the 1950s. Hong Kong realized that their old reservoirs were going to become too small as their population increased and the construction kept cutting into the reservoir areas. Also, if you know anything about the geopolitical climate surrounding Hong Kong, they constructed this modern marvel that is their current sewage system to be independent. They are a city isolated from allies up against a hostile mainland that is the Communist Party of China a mainland that could have held fresh water hostage from them. So in similar situations, places like Israel and Gibraltar have also developed innovative solutions to prevent being held hostage over water supply. Hong Kong came up with the idea of reservoirs built into the sea, wastewater treatment, and using seawater for flushing toilets. I bet you didn't expect that. Uh, if you've made it this far into my second episode in a row about literal shit, and I bet you didn't expect to feel all patriotic and proud of democracy over the innovation shown by the free people of Hong Kong uh, and, and how they treat their water. I don't mean to diminish the plight of the people of Hong Kong. I actually feel very passionately about their struggle. But I also see the humor in how I started <laughs> to write an episode about shit and wound up reading an article about Hong Kong's remarkable sewage system and how that sewage system was a big middle finger to the Communist Party of China. They're the people that have been oppressing them. And as a tribute to Hong Kong, you beautiful freedom fighters, I'll end this episode with your song, Glory to Hong Kong. I was going to play the English version, English lyrics, but I thought the native spoken version would be better. Uh, but look up these lyrics. They're badass. Thanks for listening. Who to Thunkers? Tune in next week. Oh